Let's open up our Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. As today we get to study this amazing passage, For Me to Live is Christ. And there's a few points that, uh, obviously there's so much here, but that kind of stood out to me. Number one is the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Number two is our purpose on planet Earth. Our purpose on planet Earth. And number three is the promise of paradise. Now, I'm really glad that you guys, you know, you come to church service, not to hear me, not to hear me, but you come to study the Bible, right? You come to hear the word of God. And it's so cool what we have in front of us today. Notice what we read in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 19. Paul says, for, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, of course, you need the context to this, right? Uh, what do you mean, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance? What do you mean by that? Well, Paul the Apostle is writing this letter, and he's actually in prison. And so he was arrested, and then he was put in Caesarea for two years. And then from there, he traveled to Rome for about another year. And then two more years, he was there in Rome. He was chained to a soldier. So think about it. For five years, he was under arrest. And so here's Paul writing to the Philippian church. He's grateful for them because they've been a very supportive church. But as he's there, they're wondering, man, is, is he going to go to jail? Is he going to be set free? Is he going to die? And so that was in front of him. But here Paul says, I just know that this will turn out for my deliverance. And the word right there in the Greek language for deliverance is where we get our, our word soteriology, which is the doctrine of salvation. I, I know I'm going to be saved from the, you know, my head being chopped off right now because that would be his execution if he were indicted by Caesar Nero. Uh, no, he says, I know I'm going to be saved from this. I'm going to be delivered from this. And it's interesting how he says it happens. He says right there in verse 19, through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And, and so the first thing, like I mentioned already, is just the, the power of prayer. Think about this guy, you know, he's facing uh, death, he's facing uh, imprisonment, and, you know, the Philippians are wondering, how's he doing? And they're just praying for him, they're praying for him, they're praying for him. A year goes by, another year goes by, another year goes by, another year goes by. And you almost want to give up because you've been praying for years. Paul here says, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying for your unsaved spouse, your unsaved friend, your unsaved child, what, whatever you do, the one who's facing the danger there, uh, you know, whatever the, the crazy things are in this world that we live in, don't stop praying. I tell you what, the devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint on their knees. The one thing that we have to continue to do is pray because right here Paul says, I just know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. You know, because as you pray for your loved ones, um, then it's so cool because the Lord delivers them. And one of the things that he does is he sends the Holy Spirit. He sends here, he mentions the Spirit of Christ. And it's cool, the word he uses right here, the word supply, 
this word right here was used to describe what a choir manager would provide all the, the members of a Greek choir who performed in the drama. And so basically, uh, all cost was covered, basically. He took care of all their living expenses. And so this word right here, it came to mean eventually a, a full supply of any kind. And, and so Paul here is just looking forward to getting that full supply of the Spirit of Christ as a result of their prayers. And so, friend, I, I want to encourage you, you know, keep praying. You know, pray for your, you know, your spouse, your children, your extended family. I, 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 I pray for, you know, my, my, my sisters. I hadn't even met them, you know, but I knew they were out there. I prayed for uh, other family members, you know, and, you know, it's so cool to see the way that God answers prayer. Some of them getting saved. Some of them, my, my dad was a heroin addict. He was a homeless on Skid Row. Most people would think a heroin addict, homeless on Skid Row, they're, they're never going to make it back to reality. But God not only saved him, but man, God did such an amazing work in my dad's life, set him free from heroin. He came to the point where he was journaling and writing these Christian things. He loved the Lord. I'll never forget the first time I was coming back from Mexico, and I still remember after my dad got saved, and I called him on the phone, and we were talking, and then we were praying. For the first time, it was just crazy. And I still remember I was weeping. I was weeping because here was this man that it looked like there was no hope for him. But you know what? People were praying. And we have to continue to pray. God will do that work. And so Paul here, he, he mentions, through your prayers, I'm going to be delivered and I'm going to receive everything I need, the supply of the Spirit of Christ. And so what a difference it made in his life that the Philippian church is praying for him. And notice what we read next in verse 20. It says, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death. And here Paul is so cool. He has this earnest expectation. He has this hope. And it's not one of those things where like I got my fingers crossed, you know. No, he's got a, in the Christian vernacular, hope is a certain certainty about the future. You got to have that faith. We can't be those types of Christians walking around with doubt, expecting God to bless us when we have zero faith. No, I believe in you, Lord. I have an expectation that you're going to do something good. There is this hope that it's an anchor for the soul. And this is what he has right here. He has this hope. Doesn't matter the pain. Doesn't matter the problem, the peril, even the imprisonment. Paul here is writing from prison. Remember that. He says, no, I still have this that with all boldness, he says in verse 20, as always, here it is, Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And he was just anchored in that. You know, again, remember, he's facing charges against, uh, the, 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 against Rome. And so uh, Caesar Nero, he will stand before him. And we don't know, he's not 100% sure, but we're going to see he's pretty sure is the guy going to live or is he going to die? And he says, it doesn't matter either way. I believe with all my heart that God will be glorified through my life. 
And this just was, it's just such a really cool thing. Like I said earlier, number one, the power of prayer. But then number two, our purpose on planet Earth. Let me ask you a question. When we've talked about this already, and you guys already know, but just in case you're here for the first time, why do you live? Why were you born? What is the purpose of life? You know, those were things that I grappled with. I remember as a young Christian and then, you know, going to the university and, you know, studying philosophy. You don't even have to be a philosophy major, you know, to know, to, to, to grapple with these questions. Where did you come from? You know, what's the purpose of life? Where are you going? Right here, Paul says, I know what it's all about. He says, my, my, my life exists for the glory of God, whether I live or whether I die. That's what life is all about. It's for Jesus Christ. Again, there in verse 20. So now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, there's an interesting passage in Colossians 1 and verse 28. It says, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And it's a really cool verse because it makes it super simple. Like, you know, we, we preach Jesus, right? Him we preach. Uh, we're warning every man. So we're living in a world right now where if you can visualize it, like they're going this flow, this river, man, it's, it's just flowing. That's the world that we're living in. It's just a, it's a crazy world. God loves the world, but we're definitely heading in the, right, the wrong direction. And so that's why uh, we preach Christ. That's why we're warning people so that, Paul says, we can present every person, it says right here, perfect, perfect in Christ Jesus. So that one day when we die and you stand before God, there will be no sin in your life, God will see no sin in your life because you placed your faith in Christ. Because somebody told you about Jesus. And Paul says, this is why I do what I do because I see all these homeless people and some of them, you know, on drugs, you know, and there's fentanyl that's out there and they're just on the verge of dying. You know, you see all these individuals, some of them are there homeless, some are there and they got the mansions. It doesn't matter if they don't know the Lord. I'm going to do my, I'm going to, Lord, use me to be able to share Jesus with them. If I live, he says, I will use his body, these feet to take me, this mind to think, this mouth to speak, this hand to work, this heart to preach Christ. That's what he says right here. This is my hope. This is my earnest expectation. Romans 12 and verse 1, Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And so our body, you know, what's it for? It's for Christ. Lord, use me. Use my life, whether by life, whether by death. Hopefully people can look at your life and it's a message of Jesus. And then one day at your funeral, it's a message of Jesus. They can look at your life and it glorifies Christ. And then one day at your death, it glorifies Christ. I'm telling you, the, the, the thing that I love about this is the simplicity of it. 
Let me ask you a question. What is your master passion? You know, what, what do you think about? What dominates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? You know, that is probably your God. For us, what we realize here is it has to be Christ. And it's not just for apostles and not just for pastors. It's for Christians because he died for us. So we should live for him. And so Paul here says, uh, I, 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 in verse 21, the summary, one of my favorite verses, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, and I love the simplicity of this. You know, to live, like I said earlier, what's the purpose of life? For me to live, here it is, the summary. It's in, it's in just right here. To live is Christ. It is, to live is Christ. Not just for Paul. This is for all. You know, to live for Christ. And what we find right here, Paul says in 2 Corinthians five fourteen through 15, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Have you ever saved a life? I mean, that would be pretty cool. You know, you see someone drowning, you jump in the pool, you know, and you pull them out and whatever you do, the, the, the procedures that are necessary. How many of you guys go into Kern River? I'm just curious. Anybody here? Some of you guys are going to Kern River, right? And so those of you who raise your hands, you're, you know, um, to, you're going to go river rafting. Some of you guys are going to go river rafting. So when they might fall out of the raft. And wouldn't it be cool if they're, they're floating and you never know? Because I remember when I did river rafting, I had to sign a thing. They said that you might die. Basically, they said you might die. <laughs> Because now the water levels are really high, and if you're underneath, you might hit a rock. You might even, there are trees there you get stuck in. And so they said that when you're you know, out of the raft, make sure you float feet first, not head first, because you might die. So what if someone was in there in the Kern River, they're drowning, and you dive in, and you save them? Would, it, would any of you guys be happy about that? I mean, I think you would, right? Maybe they would do like a, a news story on you. It'd be cool. Local hero saves someone at Kern River. I don't know, stuff like that. But, but that's just temporal life. Do you realize you got coworkers, you got extended family members, sometimes they're close family members. There might be someone that you're sitting next to there at In-N-Out, because that's why you guys come to this church, huh? Because In-N-Out is across the street. You know, some people, that's why they're here. Anyways, I'm just saying, you just never know. Wouldn't it be so amazing? And you think, well, I'm not good enough, and I'm not eloquent enough, and I don't know the gospel well enough, and I don't know enough scriptures. But you do you, you know, you know the name of Jesus. You know the name of Jesus. Acts 4.12 says that's the name that saves people. And so Paul said, that's my life. For me, for to me, to live is Christ. God, use my life. You know, to live for Christ, to preach Christ, to live like Christ. To know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For, for to me to live as Christ, it means that I, I live life with Christ and I'm never alone. He's, he's with me. 
And this is how we live our life as Christians. It's a, it's a wonderful life. This is the purpose of life. For to me, to live is Christ. And it's so beautiful to know, okay, all right, thank you, Lord, for telling me. Manny didn't tell me. The preacher didn't tell me. The pastor didn't tell me. The Bible told me. For to me, to live is Christ. Thank you for simplifying this for me. This is my, my life. And we all have different callings and different places and, you know, not everybody's supposed to be a pastor. Absolutely not. As a pastor, I thank God for those of you who are police officers, those of you who are teachers, those of you who work in the different places. God has you there, right there in the middle of all those people who are drowning. You're a light to them. You shine with God's love. You can share the name of Jesus. I thank God for that. So we need to be in the world just like you are there. And as you're there and you're shining with God's love, then God will open doors for you to share the name of Jesus. And you live for him, and you preach him, and you live like him, and you live with him. And this is the simplicity of our life. And this is my life, for to me to live is Disneyland. No, I'm just joking. For to me to live is have fun. For to me to live is to get rich. For me to live is have... No, it's for to me to live is Christ. This is my life. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to talk about it later. God wants you to be blessed. God wants you to have joy. But here's the thing. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And it's so cool to know these things. You know, if I die, then it's actually good it's actually glorious it's actually gain the word right here it means to obtain or secure something desired favorable or profitable it means to reach or arrive at a desired destination any of you guys football fans you guys like football some of you here they, they gained you know whatever 100 yards now they're in the in the end zone now they're where they belong i mean you guys know this right every once in a while we have to talk about the fact that this is not our home. We are pilgrims passing through, right? I mean, we are fish out of water. This is why many times life is very difficult because it's, you know, we're, we're not home yet. But, but when we, when, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, then I'll be in, in glory, you know, the other day, or actually it was yesterday, talking to my friend John Chacon and his dad uh, went home to be with the Lord not that long ago. And so yesterday was his birthday. And so they went to the cemetery, the whole family, and they set up a tent and they were just, you know, seeking the Lord, praising God. I know that I do that sometimes. I never thought I would do that, but I'll go to my mother-in-law's gravesite, my father-in-law's gravesite, and I just thank God for them. But it was so cool because then John comes to the marriage fellowship last night and Rosanna and they're here and he was just, you know, it was, he was himself, you know, in, in character and, and happy because John's like that. And it, you're able to, to do that because he knows his father is in glory. He knows this. For, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. June 13th was my dad's birthday. He went home to be with the Lord in 2020. And so as the day hits and, you know, you're kind of thinking about it, of course, you know, there's, a, there's that little feeling there. But um, I just praise God because the man who was a heroin addict, homeless, 
on Skid Row is in heaven. See, we have to know these things. You know, for, for others, for our loved ones who have passed on before us, and for ourselves. I'm not afraid to die. You know, I, I kind of don't want to think about the whole process of it, you know. Hopefully I die in my sleep. That would be pretty cool. But, you know, <laughs> we're not afraid to die because for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, when we look at these things, Paul says in verse 22, but if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. I'm so glad Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians because it's a personal letter, but we get to glean these things inspired by the Holy Spirit. How many of you guys, I'm just curious, how many of you look forward to heaven? You kind of look forward to that, you know? I'm going to be taller, no more dental floss, (laughs) deodorant, no more depression, no more demons. No more death, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more suffering, no more Satan. There's a lot of no mores, and there's a, uh, there's a lot of mores. You know, think about it, you guys. Heaven, you're going to see God. You will be reconciled with your loved ones in Christ. How glorious. How glorious that is. You know, imagine the, the music in heaven. You know, consider the colors of consummate creation. Imagine, ponder paradise for a moment. God's perpetual, unimpaired presence. And every once in a while, we're kind of caught up in it. We know we're praising God. Or maybe you're there and you're praying and you can just almost sense the presence of God. And what is this a wonderful feeling it is. I, I have to admit, but imagine living in that. You know, we look forward to this. And so, you know, Paul says, don't get me wrong, I love you guys, but to be with Christ is far better. And deep down inside, I have a desire to depart. That's what he says right there in verse 23. For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I mean, to me, it's amazing when you think about it, for me to live is Christ. And so here I am on earth and I'm walking with Jesus and I'm living for Jesus and I'm preaching Jesus and I want to please Jesus and and he's with me. But then one day when I'll be in glory, I'm going to see him. You know, the Father will be there. The Spirit will be there. We might not be able to see them the same way, though, that we see Christ. And so here he says, "I, I, I love you guys, but I'd rather depart in verse 23. And that word depart is an interesting word in the Greek language. I think I've mentioned to you before. It's the same word used if you were to go on a ship and you go sailing far away and then they put down the anchor. You're there for a certain amount of time, but then they lift up the anchor to sail home. That's the word, the same Greek word. The same Greek word is used if you were to go camping. We talked about some of you guys getting ready to go camping to Kern River I mean, it's cool for a week or so, but eventually you're like, man, I want to go home, right, to the air conditioning, the nice bed. Same Greek word. Same Greek word used for an individual who is in prison, and then they're set free. Listen, I I love life. I love 
my family. I love food. But I, in my heart, I want to go home. I want to see the Lord. That's what Paul is saying in all honesty, right? The interesting thing here, though, is he says, but it's not time yet. He says it's not time. You know, we look forward to going to heaven, but, you know, as Christians, that, that we're not supposed to then, you know, be escapists. No, as Christians, we still have work to do on planet Earth. We still have a desire to live here. We still have a, de- we have a desire to stay alive as long as we can. You know, we're, we're kind of torn. That's what Paul says right here. I'm hard-pressed between the two. You know, because if, if I live, he says, then I'll labor for the Lord. You know, in one sense, every day is labor day. So if I live, if I live, I will labor for the Lord and then that will bring fruit. That will actually bring life to others. Listen, I hope you guys know this. I'm pretty sure most of you do. But a lot of you guys, you know, you come from different backgrounds and some of you are rich and some people are poor and some people have done time and vacation and different things. And you could reach people that I could never reach. You could reach them. You could. And so Paul says, you know what? I want to go to heaven. I want to depart and be with Christ because that's far better. But, you know, to stay here and to live and to labor so that there be fruit, so that that guy right there that you ended up talking to gets saved. That Christian right there who was ready to give up gets sanctified because of your words of encouragement, because of your labor for the Lord. And I was thinking about the ladies and their cleaning ministry. And wow, what an awesome ministry that is. You know, I was actually thinking we should have a guy's cleaning ministry too, huh? Because the guys usually clean better than than the girls, right? No, I'm just joking. Usually it's the other way around. But I think the reason why they have the ladies cleaning ministry is because, you know, they get their fellowship together. And if you were to throw a guy in there, that would kind of mess things up. But I will say this. If you want to come to the ministry meeting and you're interested in, in a, as a guy cleaning, we could probably work that out. It doesn't matter where you serve in the church. It's all part of this amazing mission. You will be rewarded. You want to know why? Because you are serving Christ. And right here, Paul says that I would like to to live because that will mean fruit for my labor. This will mean people will get saved. One plants, the other reaps uh, some water. Jesus said in John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. You know, the Lord is the one that busted the move. The Lord is the one that brought you here. The Lord is the one who died for you. The Lord is the one who made you. The Lord is the one that chose you. Why did he choose you? So that you can bear fruit. You know, we're going to see as we go through this, it's so cool the way that God wants to use our life to help people. Again, we read in verse 23, Paul says, For I'm hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. But then he says in verse 24, Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh, to stay alive, to stay in this body, is more needful for you. 
And, and as he writes to the Philippian church family, he says to them that, that in the New Living Translation, it says, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. And so that's why we're still alive, because God wants us to, to, to labor. And it's an interesting thing, and I hope that we always get this as Christians. You know, for, for me to live is Christ, and it's not, that's not like a, a vague, ambiguous, religious thing. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, you, you say you love God, right? You say you love God. You want to know how you prove you love God? By loving others, by being obedient to him and loving others. So we live for Christ, right? We live for Christ, and we live for others. For me to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. That's what Paul says. And we're going to see how in just a second, but I pray that we have this understanding. It's not a religious thing. It's not like, okay, now I'm a Christian. I go read, I go pray, I go to you know the caves. I'm a monk. I'm gone from society. No. For me to live, I, I'm alive so that I can help people. You Philippians, you're, you're one of the reasons why I'm still alive. You know, I remember it was years ago, um, we were there at one of the Tuesday morning meetings, and Pastor Raw, uh, Reese, some of you guys know who he is, he's a pastor in Diamond Bar, he asked uh, a few of us to go and pray for his wife who has cancer. And so, um, I don't know, maybe this was six, seven years ago, and uh, she's had cancer for a very long time. And I still remember when I went into the room, I don't know why I was kind of overwhelmed with this thought, and as I was praying for Sharon and the other pastors were also praying, but I just prayed for her, and I said, Lord, we need her. We need her. She's amazing. You know, the, her faith, her husband needs her. Lord, extend her life. Give her more years. I don't know why I was kind of caught up with that. And it's kind of a funny prayer because most people would say, well, we don't need anybody. But in one sense, we do. God says, until you're done, you're needed. You know, that, that's uh, something I, re I remember. You know, and that's the way it is for life. You know, right now, I was thinking about my mom going through uh, medical things, and she doesn't look good. And, you know, maybe some of you, you have, you know, friends or parents or loved ones, and you're wondering what's going to happen to them. Lord, are they going to get better? Are they going to recover? And I just, like, I just know, though, that she'll be here, and God is going to continue to keep her here and use her life, even in my life. That's the way it works. And then the day will come when I finish my race, when my time is up, when it is more needful for me to depart. So while I'm alive, I'm, I'm, I'm needed here, and I want to take care of my family and serve whoever I can serve, maybe in ministry. But um, then the day will come where God says, okay, um, we need a, a good pitcher in heaven, and so um, we need you up there. No, I'm just joking. It's not like that. You're no longer needed on planet Earth. Jesus said this in John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so there, obviously there's a time where Jesus needed to be here in the flesh. 
And then there was a time where it was to their advantage that, that he left. And that's the way it is with life and death. And so we read in verse 25, and being confident of this, Paul said, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and your joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be for me more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. Remember we talked about how he says it's more needful for for you that I stay and so, like, wh- why, Paul? Are you going to buy him pizza or what is it? And right here he says, this is the reason why. For your progress and your joy, I like that, your joy of faith. And isn't it cool just to know, like, this is why God has us here. Lord, use my life for them. Use my life so that they could grow spiritually. Use my life that they would make that type of progress, Lord, not be stuck and not go backwards, but to progress in their beautiful and personal and intimate relationship with God. Lord, use me somehow and I'll be praying and I'll be whatever it is that you want me to do. Use my life for their progress and not just their faith, but for their joy of faith. Because some churches, man, they're weird. I'll be honest. They'll be, they're weird. They're like, you Christians, you better not smile. What are you talking about? God wants us to smile, amen? God wants us to have joy uh, for the journey. I mean, I was thinking about it. You know, why did God make tickle spots? Any of you guys ticklish? And I'm like, Lord, that's pretty cool. You know, I think, you know, I think about my son, and I think he made you know, Aaron Ticklish, like so a torture him. I really believe that. <laughs> no, but you know, you guys be honest, okay? You, you fallen people, us people, don't you love it when you see your family smiling? Don't you love that? Don't you love it when, you know, I, I see them, I hear them, I, I just love it. When they're laughing, don't you love it? Especially when they're laughing together, I love it when my wife is singing, just singing praise songs to God. Now, if I want, you know, if I want them to have that type of joy and laughter, don't you think God wants that for us as well? So Paul says, listen, I'm here for your progress and for your your joy. Your faith is going to be a joyful faith. And then one day, he says, we're going to be reunited. Verse 26, your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. And when you study the whole thing, you'll find that Paul was released in AD 63. And uh, he went and he continued to do ministry uh, for another five years. And then he got arrested again. And then one day they took him. And uh, that by then, you know, Caesar Nero was really uh, persecuting the church and they chopped off his head. That's what they did to Roman citizens. And his head plopped off and this apostle entered into glory. I love this guy. He's amazing. He's an example for us. For to me, to live is Christ. Later on, he's going to say in chapter 3, join in following my example. 
In 1 Corinthians, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So um, my prayer is that we would know this. Whatever platform you have, you guys are out there in the front lines. You guys are out there in the trenches. God brings people into your life. I'm not saying you have to be obnoxious or weird, but man, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're raising your family in the ways of the Lord, and you're just trying to do things right. I, I pray, it's pretty cool for me. I kind of need it to be simple. He is my life. He is.